0: would looking at member level, clarify thinking about value for money. Today we're talking to Henry Tapper of AgeWage to find out.
1: And welcome to VFM, the Pensions Podcast. Welcome, Henry. Um, Hi, there. Amazingly, we've made it to our sixth episode. And as ever, I'm delighted to be joined by my co-host, the one and only Nico Aspinall. Hello. <laughs> right. um, first up, Nico, I've got an apology to make. So um, if you listened to our um, podcast last week, our fifth episode... Then you would, you would you'd have heard that we were eating cake with Greg McClymon on um, because it's my birthday, my thirty-fifth <laughs> birthday here. And I think I accused you, Nico, of buying me an out-of-date cake, and I miss. Just I think you accused Sainsbury's of selling me an out well, cake. Well, maybe, maybe. But anyway, um, you know, we like um, <laughs> openness and transparency.
2: Discount money. factors <laughs> on <of> your age, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Exactly. i heavily discounted, mm-hmm. Henry. It's pensions mm-hmm. accounting, isn't it? You know, like, yeah. um, but so I just wanted to set the record, the, the, the record straight, Nico. Um, it was a lovely in-date cake, <laughs> and I'm still here to tell the tale.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and look, I could not be happier to be sat next to a man who is so good at pulling the policy strings that he gets not only invited to the VFM consultation launch. You're, you're still bitter about that? Well, you? you know, I was the one who asked to go, um, <laughs> but I invited you. Uh, uh, but you also got the only quote uh, f- not from the Pensions Minister in Professional Pensions uh, covering the story. So he's definitely the go-to renter quote of oh. the DC generation. Of course, it is Darren Philp. Spare some time airtime for the rest of us, please. I will do, I will do.
1: And um, speaking of renter coats,
0: um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Henry
1: Tapper, um, we're delighted that you joined us today. Um, it's absolutely fantastic that you're here. Um, and it's good to see that you turned up on time this week. Yeah,
2: well, this is a hilarious story about how you misled me into coming last <laughs> oh, week Henry, by Henry. saying it's today when you meant it's next week. I turned up today and was rudely ejected from the pod. So thanks, thanks for that, and I'm delighted to be back for a second time. Yes, well, well, thanks for
1: coming twice. Yeah, <laughs> but we've um, we've got the email evidence there. Yeah, yeah. You yeah know, exactly. so we can we can post it on website when we when we've got the website.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Of course, Henry, you're the founder and uh, mover and shaker of AgeWage, but you're a bit of a serial entrepreneur with the pensions playpen. You've probably got more years than you care to mention in the pensions industry. And of course, you are one of the most influential pensions bloggers in the country as the pensions ploughman. Henry, how on earth do you fit it all in? Yeah, well, <laughs> as the
2: actress said to the bishop. Uh, no, I, I, I start early and I finish early. So I'm fully mm. intending to have a, a nice session with you and then bunk off home for a, a, a cosy sleep this afternoon before returning to my desk in the evening to do some research on Value for money. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. Well,
1: perhaps we can ask you some difficult questions. And um, I'm
2: sure he'll be asking us. I think that's probably the way this will go. I am the only person who's read this whole thing and sent a response into the deed, though. Have you? Don't do a response already. I've
1: proffered it. I've proffered it. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, So, Pensions Ploughman. Yeah. Well, where did the ploughman yeah, come
2: from? Yeah. OK, there's a fellow called Piers Ploughman, who was a, a 14th century invention of William Langland. And Piers Ploughman saw a field of folk working harmoniously below him as he dreamt on the Morven Hills. And he decided that this was a model, yeah, a working model for a functional society. And I regard myself as the pension ploughman, dreaming that we might have a functional pension system which is joined up.
0: That is by far and away the best dance that I could possibly ever have anticipated. pretty good. Fascinating. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good, very good. Uh, so anyway, before yes. we get on to
1: um, finding it a bit more about you, Henry, and talking about value for M, but value for M? Value for money. Uh, um, as always with these podcasts, we'll, we start with the news. So um, Henry, you get, you get guest uh, prerogative. Um, what have you got
2: first? Okay, this is part 94, the BSPS redress scheme so this is, saga. This is British Steel. British Steel pension scheme, the 2000 workers are due redress having been given poor advice. And guess what? The redress scheme looks like being delayed into possibly a sixth <laughs> year due to a legal challenge by the advisors in the upper tribunal of the High Court advisors saying that well, it's not fair that they have to pay redress and frankly this is one of the most absurd and bizarre twists in a bizarre tale um, and you cannot but be sorry for the poor steel workers h- holding out for yet another year before they get their compound.
1: It's not great right, is it? No. And I know you and um, Al Rush I've done a lot of work, um, sort of, you know, fighting the steel workers call. Law. No,
2: it's 99% our Rush, 1% me, but I'm the guy with the blog, so people get to hear it from me, but it's, it's our Rush. Yeah,
1: yeah. no, cool. Um, and yeah. It's, it's, I think it's great when people in the industry sort of pick up a cause like that, and, mm. um, you know, especially sort of driving forward. Oh, their this fairness this is our stuff.
2: sixth year. Yeah, we're sixth. coming up to oh, our sixth God, year
1: this of is this. Is yeah. Crazy, crazy. Yeah if Anyone with any influence has got um is yeah. listening to this podcast, crack on with it, crack yeah. With yeah it. Get yeah, these yeah. people their compensation that they uh,
0: deserve. So, so Nico, what have you got? Yeah, so I've got uh, a professional pension story, um, backed by some Aon research, and we'll, we'll we'll maybe come back to that. Um, but so one in six schemes uh, have been. Uh, Sorry, one in five D.C. schemes seeing members cut contributions and one in six seeing increases in request uh, to access savings early. Mm. So, you know, cost of living, uh, biting in D.C. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, look, I think it's very difficult to, to kind of really put a pin on how much the pain is being felt in uh, people expressing that in contributions and accessing pension pots early. I think Henry, you've you've blogged. Uh, you've blogged on every topic that we could possibly <laughs> cover. Uh, but talking about, I guess the the arrogance of the industry, which says, you know, thou shalt not touch your pensions, um, mm. and just trying to improve the empathy of, you know, guys. If 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 you're choosing between heating and eating, then then it's not a bad option,
2: right? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, So, yeah, a a little bit suggesting that people are starting to make that decision. And I guess we hope that inertia at some stage picks them back up. Yeah. And um, it it sort of chimes with some research that I think the
1: PMI put out um, late last year, early this year. Um, But, you know, I think it's really important to understand what we mean by schemes. Um, So, you know, behind the headline, there's always some digging you can do in terms of the analysis and that. And from speaking to a lot of the large auto enrollment master trusts, you know, yeah, they, they, they might have been seeing a, a small uptick in opt-outs and participation and stuff, but nothing like that headline mm-hmm. would suggest. So, you know, it could be that, you know, in schemes where inertia is actually ruling and is the key sort of um, the key mechanism to get people saving, then, you know, it is having its effect yeah um so yeah i think that's probably worth exploring a bit more
2: yeah yeah my my take on this is that the royal college of nurses put out some really alarming statistics about the number of opt-outs of the nhs pension scheme by young nurses who couldn't afford the contribution rate and of course we've got to remember that the contribution rate isn't alleviated by tax relief for low earners Mm. because of the net pay thing so A lot of these very low earners are actually paying 20% more or 25% more than they should do to be in a scheme. And this is a scandalous situation which won't be rectified to 2025, by which time it might be too
0: late for a lot of people who are out. Yep. To, and 2025, be, yeah, 2025. If that's the middle of the decade, right? Because government uh, the middle ah, of the yeah, decade the could, could be de- like 2027. 20, no, have actually written it
2: in stone. April okay. 2025. You will be getting your first rebates.
1: It's like when government yeah. can't say they're going to consult in the summer, yeah. and the summer is defined between February and November. Yeah. Okay,
0: <laughs> I <laughs> but anyway. They, they never say Christmas. Never say, they, Christmas. say no. they say winter, it's and winter. that could last. <laughs> you know, we'll have to see when the when the Thames unfreezes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I wanted
1: to pick up this week on. You Um, you know again the 2017 um, review which um, I know you've blogged again about Henry um, and it's been a sort of topic of conversation within the industry for quite a while now and I think there was um, a discussion um, in the house um, where Laura Trott confirmed that the government is committed to implementing the 2017 review which is which is great Um, but she's looking for collective agreement yeah. Um, so that sort of points to the fact that, you know, is the Treasury and the DWP actually aligned on this? Like obviously, implementing the reforms comes at a tax relief cost to the Treasury. We know the fiscal position is is tight. So, you know, do we, Henry, maybe perhaps I can ask you, like, do you think that uh, the government will stick to its timetable on this? And do you think that the Treasury will open its tax relief coffers to allow them to do so?
2: Well, I, I think that it's very unlikely that we will see the middle of the decade being defined as 2024-25. I mean, I think the middle of a decade is a a 27-28 thing now because it takes time for the legislation and so on. And I think a lot of this VFM uh, uh, stuff is about making sure that we do the best we can with what we've got because Mm. getting more in is not going to be as easy as perhaps we thought because the Treasury don't like the thought of... Another huge ramp in tax yeah, relief. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the, the the grim reality is that we mess. We, we're going to have to make do with what we've got until such a stage as the Treasury take their foot off um, yeah. the DWP's
0: throat. But until, until we have cross-party unanimity on this, then doesn't the Treasury get to play political football that you know you get? I'm a a big fan of yes minister right Mm. you kind of get this incoming minister Mm. they like you know put the long finger on long grass on a whole bunch of topics you know 18 months in the minister kind of really gets the brief kind of under their wraps like starts to pressurize them and they go yeah you know you know okay okay and then general election or reshuffle of the cabinet you know new ministers new ministers new ministers so it, it must take Labour and Conservative Party coming together to solve that, mustn't it? But but also, you know, that was one of the successes of the pensions
1: commission that we always hark back to. It was their consensus building. It was the evidence base. It was that cross-party political support. I think that, you know, I'd I'd, I'd imagine the Labour pensions team and the the Tory pension team would be quite aligned on the implementation of the 2017 review. I think it's alignment within, you know, the machinery of government that is, is more of an issue on stuff like this.
2: I'd agree with Darren. I think the Labour Party are aligned with the Conservative Party on just about everything in pensions at the moment, mainly because the Labour Party haven't had actually developed a policy on anything mm, since yeah, yeah. Um, Greg McClymer was in place. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's see let's see uh, Matt Rodder's hand, uh, which I hope we will do before too long, yeah. and mm-hmm. then we'll, we'll know whether or not he's going to actually put his foot down on, on the 2017 reforms, which is one thing he could do. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: And there's one other piece of news, yeah, uh, which so broke this
1: morning. No, yeah, oh yeah, so um, we, 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 we tend to choose our news um, the day before, don't yeah, we? Yeah, Just yeah. so we can do some preparation. But um, I think Professional Pensions and Jonathan Stapleton um, broke a story about Nest and the fact that they have parted two years into uh, their administration contract
0: or their IT contract with Atos, which yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, was quite yeah, a
1: surprise yeah. actually.
0: Yeah, so it's like a 10 year deal signed in February 21. Mm. So in theory, should have taken them up to 2031. Mm. I think there's like a five year extension option with another three years potentially for transition after that. So potentially you're looking at, was that 2039? And in 2023, it's uh, the axe, right? So interesting. Interesting. Oh, I
2: bumped into Tim Jones on the street the other day and uh, <laughs> asked him what he was up to and guess what he's in charge of Tartar's UK operations and I asked him I said you must have been a bit gutted about losing the nest account and he said we should never have lost it and mumble there is something which I didn't quite hear but might have been but well, we're going to get it back one day <laughs> and when you say
0: bumped into are you doorstepping Tim Jones uh, <laughs> I
2: was on a Boris bike and I very nearly ran the man <laughs> <out. laughs> did you accelerate no, no, no. Um,
0: cool right well that's the news i'm sure all of those topics will keep on keep on bubbling back up um, but let's uh talk to you henry so um before we get on to age wage and value for money i know as you said uh you know you're the, the one of the only people to have read it cover to cover and the only person to have proffered their response so far um, but look let's go back a bit let's maybe we can just hear a bit about your history in pensions how did you how did you join this wonderful industry
2: oh that old oh, chestnut i was doorstepping uh poor people in east ham and west ham uh late in the evening proffering them the opportunity to buy a whole of life policy with somebody like lloyds life um and this was because i couldn't get a job and it was too fat oh, 1983 i think mm-hmm. uh and uh, I was quite good at that door-to-door selling of life assurance, so I got promoted, and I, I quickly got snapped up by <laughs> Hamro Life, who uh, who employed—well, didn't employ me—they—they they got me to flog their stuff, and I was <laughs> I was basically a self-employed um, pensions flogger uh-huh. um, for quite a lot of my twenties and thirties, and it was only really when I sold out to a firm called Gissing's in. Uh, in 1992, that I started understanding that pensions were more than just uh, selling somebody a personal or was then a, a, a personal pension, um, and that there actually could be some value in the thing. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So my, my career has been on a, an upward trajectory towards value for money ever since. Yes. I reached <laughs> a sort of nadir around about 1990
0: when I really was, you know, basically a pariah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, defined contribution—that's that's sort of been been in the background, but obviously bubbling up. We're now a dominant defined contribution. Yeah,
2: I never got any actuarial qualifications, so I couldn't uh-huh. talk about defined benefit.
0: I had to uh, <laughs> I had to be one of those menials who,
2: so you, you know. You know.
1: And, 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 what co- and, and, what, and what sort of motivated you to set up the pensions playpen? Mm. Um,
2: that was about trying to put some order into the choice of workplace pensions by smaller businesses. Mm. And uh, we set up a balanced scorecard, which you could access online for a pittance. And uh, you could get a certificate at the end of it saying that you'd done the due diligence on what you bought. And you could buy from a range of workplace pensions that included all the great and the good. Mm. Yeah. And it worked. Well, we got about 7,500 people. But as I've said before, that's a, a, a drop in the ocean compared to the mm. number of decisions that were taken. And yeah. I fear a number of the decisions that were taken weren't really taken with any due diligence. But yeah. because of the mass Trust authorisation framework, etc., most of those decisions will turn out OK. Mm. So yeah. I, I, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Although I think in, in, in retrospect, we probably as an industry could have done more to get employers engaged in yeah. things like VFM when it really mattered when yeah, they were choosing the
1: scheme. The scheme yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very difficult yeah. to go back and, and retrofit and get people
0: to sort of make remake decisions yeah, yeah. and stuff yeah. um, on yeah. this. I just remember the uh, Cowboys are us master trust, right? Oh, yeah. Um, that was um, the watchdog, wasn't it? It was, it was I know the BBC, had it. Yeah, had yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was um, amazing. Amazing. Well, on two fronts. You know. and
2: that was really weirdly connected with British Steel because uh, yeah, the, some of the people who were involved in Cowboys R Us on, on that thing actually went on and, and got involved in the British Steel misselling saga in 2017. Really? Yeah. Oh.
1: It's amazing how these things, this stuff is all interconnected. Yeah, well,
2: yeah, well there's chicanery. It's uh, kind of yeah. like an omni shambles. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And, and as well as sort of providing that service um, to help employers choose. Mm. Yeah. Um, you've developed quite a discussion community in that, haven't you? Mm.
2: Yeah, I think it's nice of you to, uh, to mention it. But we, we had a, a an excellent session, which you advertised uh, with Des Healy and TPR of uh, the DWP and TPR and the FCA uh, last Tuesday. Yeah. and. Uh, this was the first time that the DWP had sort of gone out and sort of basically set their stall out. And very good it was. You can actually get the you can get the um, recording of it on my blog. So do ah, so anyway, that. It yeah, uh, so was a really yeah. well
1: attended the session and I yeah, thought, yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I took out from it as well is that, you know, the, the DWP, the FCA and TPR are still developing their thinking on yeah. this stuff. You know, um, you know, they've got some views, they put the views in the paper, but you know this is these are tricky issues as we'll come on to discuss in yeah. a minute yeah and you know th- it feels to me that you know there is a real chance to influence this consultation with some good thinking and good thought
2: yeah, yeah. absolutely and uh, you know they were very open about saying that they'd only you know come to this in the middle of last year and there was yeah. no vfm team mm. so th- this yeah. w- this yeah. was a f- you know three to four month uh project but they Got to a point, which, which I think you know. It's, it, I've said it before. I think it's 95% good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The five percent, which is bad, is pretty awful, and these re- to t- t- change. But the 95% good is the intent
0: yeah 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 so so, so so let's come back to that in, a, in just a second but for people to find that video so you are is it pensionsplowman.com
2: uh well there, there's the pensionplaypen.com and you can actually find it there in the media section okay. or you can go on henrytapper.com and
0: Henry henrytapper.com is the blog yeah yeah, yeah. brilliant definitely, definitely recommend um, listening into that one yeah. yeah and next no two weeks time on the, on the we'll release it on the tenth of March. I can't do weeks. Got it. It could be <laughs> Christmas before we we know this. Actuaries only working. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and discount rates. Uh, so uh, by the time we get to one over v. Uh, we will have Des Healy I think we'll be publishing that on the 10th of March uh, is our guest for the uh, VFM podcast and we'll ask him about your submission Henry that's what we'll <laughs> do you
2: can, you can certainly do that ask him about Celtic he, he'll talk to you about Celtic, Celtic. Yeah. Well, you we'll, you know, know, we've, we've banned football as a
1: conversation well I've got yeah. a question a bit later today, oh really ok we don't believe that all of right. our audience follows Just the Arsenal that's the
0: there are two great teams
2: in this country they both play in green and white Okay. Um, you are, of so, course, referring to the Oval. We don't yo, need to talk yeah, about it. We all follow so, the jovial. So, um,
1: so, as well as uh, pension playpen and your blogging and stuff like that, you've also um, set an, up an initiative called Age Rage, which is sort of very closely linked with the whole value for money yeah, agenda yeah. and stuff. Can you just sort of talk okay. a bit about what prompted you to get into that?
2: Yeah, I, I'm very keen that individuals know the value that they get for their money, and I've Always thought this is about the outcomes. Yeah, you know, I'm a I've got a DC uh, pot myself, and I'm interested in the outcome of that pot. So perf- measuring the performance for me, yeah, has been something that I've been struggled to do throughout my career, 40 years. I've never really worked out how you you measure DC performance. And I had a long discussion one lunchtime with a gentleman called Con Keating, and he said the way to do it is to take the contributions that people pay and uh, weigh them against the uh, pot value that they've got uh, in a time-weighted way. And you'll get something called an internal rate of return, which is the actual interest rate, if you like, that you've got on your money. Yeah? And it's a simple way of measuring how you've done. And the clever thing about this is if you get the data, you can reinvest that data in a benchmark index and see how the average person has done. And you can see whether you've done better or worse than average, which is a pretty blunt but brutally honest and transparent way of measuring whether you individually have got value for money. And uh, so we set something up and we created an algorithm which creates a number which tells you you know, if you've got more than 50, you've done well. If you've got less than 50, you've not done well. If you've got 50, you've done all right. And uh, we then expanded this so that we could actually do these value for money scores for schemes or for employers within the schemes. And trustees kind of involve themselves and got involved in doing value for money metrics and value for money reports. And IGCs did a bit of it as well. And it's got a limited amount of traction. But where we've always felt that this could be useful is if we were going to get to a standard approach to VFM across the board. And this is what makes me so excited about what Mm -hmm. the DWP is doing, because they're talking about having certification of things like performance using um, what they call thresholds, tests and benchmarks. Uh, and these are all music to my ear because this is exactly how I feel the ordinary person relates to value for money. Yeah. So long, ex- yeah. long explanation. Your time is, you're
0: on the cusp of greatness there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I, as a member of a pension scheme, mm-hmm. can essentially feed in my contributions and my current value of my part. And you guys can tell me the return.
2: Absolutely. Or yeah.
0: More likely you say, here's a letter of authority. Can yeah. you go and get the information? And
2: we do just that. And hopefully yeah. one day we'll have a system of APIs where we can get that kind of
0: data automatically. Yeah. And so, because uh, I know you're, one of your bugbears about the VFM consultation uh, is Chapter 4.
1: Oh, Chapter so let's, 4. Let's Absolutely. come to Chapter 4. It's an well, abomination. We, we haven't asked Henry our standard question yet. Nick. Okay, you're go you're on. Gonna jump in the go. Right. What does VFM mean to you, Henry? Right,
2: it means the value for my money. Yep. And the critical thing, and this is the great insight that I think the um, DWP have got, is it's not about charges. It's about the money that
1: I've got in my pots. Yeah. So it's the value for my money. And, and that's this has been a, a, a subject of conversation for a long time in the pensions industry now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, I, and you know, I've, I was always a bit of a fan of the charge cap because I think we needed something, mm-hmm. you know, um, especially in the early days of auto enrollment and, 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 and stuff. But, you know, cost focusing on cost is a blunt tool. Yeah. yeah? And mm-hmm. and I think that, you know, it's easier to measure some complexity mm-hmm. especially around transaction costs and the like but it is easier to measure and for to my mind that has driven far too much decision making in pensions you know over the past five or ten years um so like you henry i'm really glad that the, the consultation is actually focusing on value for money not just charges but they do need disperse value for money and charges quite a lot yeah, in yeah. the consultation don't they
0: yeah
2: yeah I and mean, there's lots of contradictions in the, in the consultation um, because it's bringing together three different views. You know, there's the value for members views, which comes out of the 31 characteristics of a good DC scheme. And that's TPR yeah, background. Yeah, no, no. Hey! There's the FCA's view, which is all about costs and charges. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Chris here in the background winding up. Uh, <laughs> Chris is a co-shareholder of mine in AgeWage, so we get on well. I'm not not criticising him at all, but you know he <laughs> we'll give did a shout out, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Chris. And uh, then there's of course the DWP's view of what uh-huh. value, for, value for money, which is kind of like based on something vaguely Australian, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but let's talk about so so wage as your yeah. view of what value for members is, value for money. Yeah. So. Um, because I would see it as being as, as having two challenges, right? Mm. Um, and none of them are insurmountable, right? So the, so the first is past performance is not indicative of future performance. Mm-hmm. And we've been auto-enrolled since 2012 through to 2017, mm. whenever we kind of first landed there. We've maybe got multiple pots. Uh, you know, we've got a very short performance history. Mm. Some people would say it's got a weird performance history because it's got QE and it's got covid relief kind of happening yeah, in all it, those, in those things. Yeah. It's not all been it. normal a um, few years, is it? Well, but like well, you know when you were the you,
2: normal t- years, you tell so. me when 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 it's going to be normal Correct, in the right, future. Right, yeah, right. so we're <laughs> just about to enter normality, we are. You? Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: um, so um you know the, the, but it's the next 40 years which yeah. are still in play, right? So yeah. there's there has to be some sort of a taking into account of the the process which generates those returns, right? And yeah. we can we can dance around whether you accept my assumptions yeah. and, right, and how we project that. But just what what's what's your kind of reaction to that challenge?
2: Okay, I mean, so the the DWP do talk about trying to create a forward looking measure, mm-hmm. yeah, which is to my mind where the problems really will arise mm-hmm. uh, because they start by looking at a couple of ways of assessing risk and projecting that in the future. And then they start looking at asset models and saying, well, they we actually look at asset allocation. And there's all kinds of f- ideas being floated around in there, which have clearly come from places like GAD and yeah. other people they've spoken to. Uh, and then uh, they're sort of undigested. Yeah. So what we have is, you know, what do you think of this and what do you think of that? And what do you think of this? Which is a bit okay. but we're we're kind of trying to get to a point where we've got a standardized version of value for money. Now, if you start giving uh, schemes the opportunity to value themselves on a speculative basis, then uh, we get to the point where we did with IGCs, where we have. 25 igc reports each year and all of them say green yeah yeah because yeah, yeah. we're all we're all striving towards being green nobody sets out to do badly uh so i'm i'm against i'm afraid forward looking measures because i think they're abused and i think that the, the place for forward looking measures is in the sort of Hyman's, Robertson, Reddington's, Barton Collingham, all these very good but, but consultants. I think yeah, but that, they're the people who should be doing that work. But,
0: but I think there's a difference, right? So, yeah. so so there's there's one question, is how on earth do you measure the future, right? And, um, um, you know, actua- an actuary, Actuarially right, speaking, right, you okay. measure the future, yes. Okay, but there's yeah. a very, very different thing, which is higher order, which yeah. says, um, are we selecting providers on the belief that in some way this governance process will be able to better ride choppy markets mm-hmm or you know difficult member choices or uh, you know communicate better with people than others and there must be some sort of a qualitative assessment and this is coming back to the measurement qualitative assessments of like government uh, governance process right and it just i do fear that we're going to find that you know in these weird markets there will be a bunch of people who put it all on black, and uh, you know, even over 10 years have like done done very well now yeah. to their gamble, and it's not necessarily reflective of a good future process for generating results. And also on the flip side of that,
1: um, a scheme might be performing badly over that 10-year period yep. and is holding out for things to sort of turn in their favor. Yep. You know, yeah, I had yeah, 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 a, a
2: good discussion
1: on this with uh, John Rowe,
2: who's uh, mm-hmm. a shareholder at H uh, HOH. And he was complaining to me that, the sharia fund for instance the hsbc randerson yeah you know, could could easily get a 90 plus rating f- right the way for it because it invested in tech stocks yeah. all equities
0: you know or and, us and, Value right,
2: US currency, this, that, the yeah. other. Everything w- was going for the Sharia funds, of course, had a dreadful year in 2022, as you can imagine. So how do you explain to somebody for what you thought was incredibly good value for money throughout that you know, suddenly come crashing to a fall? I mean, the same yeah. could be said for index-linked guilds for that matter. Yeah, yeah. Know? OK, so w- what what we need is to have some kind of retrospective risk adjusted measure saying "Look, this thing is actually creating some value. Yeah. But value for risk taken is not generating value. Yeah, you're taking yeah, a lot of risk. Yeah. And you can actually find a metric from the kind of um, collective uh, data that we have, which, sure. which, which yeah. does give you an idea of the value for risk taken, which does yeah. tell you that the Sharia Fund, run by you know most, most uh, oh, occupational schemes, call it, including now now, yeah. um, does actually take a lot of risk. Yeah, yeah. And and if you're in, in index link gilts, you, you are in a very strangely performing yes. asset, which isn't totally correlated with anything to do yeah, yeah, with yeah. what ordinary people are saving with. So you may be doing very well, but don't be surprised if you do very badly tomorrow. Yeah.
0: So um, I do think that there is a big discussion about mm. weighting the past and the future mm. um, in some form in the Value for Money assessment. Mm. Uh, recognizing that the only data we actually have, the only evidence we actually have is the past, mm-hmm. but also recognizing that it's a short time frame. Obviously, we can't give. I used to joke um, at TPP that the my performance measure should be 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but nobody, <laughs> you know, to have a good data set, uh, you know, you probably need to employ me three times uh, for 150 years, and that's when you start paying out my bonus, right? So yeah. you just can't. Yeah, there's a flaw in that, Nicky I thought, you know, maybe the, uh, the the font of eternal youth was waiting for me, actuarial no, youth. Well, well, no, yeah,
2: but the eternal sweet spot, which is a, 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 a concept which Derek Benstead introduced me, the marvellous guy, first actuarial, is, of course, just that. But yep. you don't necessarily have to worry about underperformance or outperformance or whatever, as long yep. as you've basically got your convictions and you're sticking to them and you're implementing them that's that's the plan you go for it so and 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 and, and in the purest sense i'm
0: totally for the 50 year view Mm. yeah but the issue with the consultation is the belief that everything can be a objective and be quantified right Mm. Um, so I'm I'll just, I'll just going to drop that there. Um, <laughs> so the, 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 the second topic that I wanted to talk to you about. You got a bit philosophical of Well, like, well, I, I think, think he it, tends to do this. I, uh, so yeah, we do talked it. about epistemology last time. Let's not do that <laughs> um, So <laughs> the second topic is the collective mm. and the cross-subsidies inherent within it. Mm. Because if we believe that default works fine, you know, a well-governed default works fine up until an age for the vast majority of people, then offering people choices around that because they want sharia investments or they want up risk, down risk, or whatever, offering people a choice into retirement because they know they're the ones who are gonna go into drawdown, they're the ones who are gonna go into annuity, they're the ones who are gonna go the cash out. Mm. Those things cost money. Mm. So how do we assess an individual experience, mm. you know? when some of the cost is for the experience that you're not having because Mm -hmm. of your inertia. That's a a big challenge, isn't it? It's it's huge. And one of the things that we've been very keen about is that
2: people understand the risks they're taking in a scheme. So if you're in a back end of a lifestyle, Mm -hmm. you're taking a different set of risks than if you're in the front end of a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those risks have um, haunted people Mm -hmm. over the last... 14 15 months because of the poor performance of bonds. We don't necessarily think it is bad, yeah. that lifestyle exists yep. so long as people understand why they're in it, yeah. yeah. The problem is arises when. People get these heavily weighted bond funds. I mean, take something like Blackrock's Life Path Flexi, which is in a lot of schemes. Yeah, that's, right. that, that starts de risking when you're 35. I mean, that's, sure. that's a very, very long, long glide path. Yeah. To what? To a situation where you're going to be buying a, an annuity or cashing out or whatever. There's no cash in that lifestyle strategy.
0: Right. No yeah, cash yeah, in there
2: yeah. at all. It's just pure equities to bonds. Strange. You take another number one, like National Pension Trust, I mean, they've basically got the same strategy, whether you're 50, 60 or 40. You know, yeah. you, you, you just have this sort of to and through type approach. And I think we haven't yet articulated what we consider to be, you know, our investment philosophy with regards to these defaults to people in such a way that they take a strategy. I, I don't think individuals are going to be able to take that decision, uh, but I, yeah, do, yeah. I do think employers ought to know a little bit about what they're mm. buying on behalf of their staff, and 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 I think that's where we need to be clear. Yeah. yeah, that some of these strategies do do very strange things. Yeah, and people should be aware of the idiosyncrasies of these yeah, defaults, you, you so yeah. that you know that you know Aegon's BlackRock f- default strategy behaves differently from. Let's say national pension trusts, yeah. Yeah. to and through approach, yeah. And, that, and, and those are choices you can take, but you've got to be
1: aware. That yeah. Can employers take those choices? Then, um, like y- you can imagine that you know, larger employers that have consultants that you know aren't just sort of um, buying pensions on the basis of payroll integration and easy yeah, admin yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, um, you know, yes, that th- you would hope that they were balancing this stuff up. Yeah, I still think it's a market predominantly driven by price, and that's what we've seen over the past three or yeah, four yeah. years or so. But what about all the rest of the smaller employers? Okay. That, you Let, know. Let's face it, you know,
2: of those 1.3 million employers who auto-enroll, one million in auto-enroll with NEST. Right. 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 So I mean, the answer to that question is that those people who didn't take a decision defaulted to NEST. Yeah. 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 Those people who did, they went to some more esoteric Nest itself is so much the benchmark against which everything else is tested mm. yeah, and that is not necessarily a bad thing yeah, yeah. I, I think we have a properly functioning workplace default yeah which basically causes people who d- haven't taken the decision employees haven't taken the decision uh, to have a sort of get out of jail card
0: yeah.
1: one, one yeah. of the things yeah. uh, one of the great things about nest when it was introduced as part of the wider package of reforms was I think it raised the bar. It raised the bar across the industry as to what mass market, you know, good DC pensions actually look like.
0: Yeah, Which I mean, think it, is what, you know. it's you very use. difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, they, they have a huge debt um, and the rest of the industry doesn't. Um, so but they also have a public service obligation. Yeah, sure. You know, so they um, ha- they have to take anyone, whereas no other employer in the land doesn't have to. I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what the governments of the future do looking at the debt. Mm. Um, and that public service obligation. Yeah, there's all kinds of issues to do with competition and so on. I'm yeah. quite yeah.
2: sure the PRA and the FCA on one side are looking at Nest and going, Well, uh, what exactly is that doing to the shape of the market? Yeah. But yeah, I think that the D W people in that argument because despite it having eight hundred million of our money, yeah, it is a success. It mm. is properly run. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. debt yeah. by two thousand and forty two will get paid off, just mm. like the PPF will pay off its, you know, all its whatever and become a god love the actuaries. you
0: see we come back in you know Ah, yeah so these lines cross that's what you're saying (laughs) yeah Yeah.
2: don't forget i am not an (laughs) actor but we 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 do have a a public success story in a and a lesser lesser told but i think also important public success story in nest yeah Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. and nest is proving to be value for money for this country and, and i so I'm not trying to get a job in Nest, uh, <laughs> But I, I, do, I do think they're doing a good job, um, despite the problems they're having with
1: Atos. So um, one of the ideas that the DWP yeah. have and they put forward in their consultation is this sort of red-amber-green rating. And it oh, goes yeah. back to... Rag to riches. Rag to riches, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah um, right. of, um, or green to green. Green to so, green, yeah. Green yeah. 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 So yeah, is any master trust in the market ever going to rank themselves anything other than green?
2: no they're not going to rank themselves but they may be ranked by a third party e.g. the DWP and this is the key question you know do we follow this step-by-step process which allows you to walk into whatever door you want to which is usually the green door or do you have this um three parts test from the um DWP where effectively you're certified as either giving or not giving value for money, or Amber in the middle. Yeah. You know you're sort of, but you've got to improve. Yeah. and you know, is it Australia, which is DWP, or is it um, sort of do it yourself, self-certify, which is um, how the IGCs and have uh, yes, yeah. done it, and, yeah. and indeed how. VFM reports have been done by the pension regulators. Lots yeah, the occupational yeah. schemes. And, yeah. You know, I, I think the DWP have more or less got it. Now, yeah. I mean, I did have a little chat with Miss Trot prior, and I my my impression, private as that trot was, uh, <laughs> chat was, <laughs> that yeah. chat was was that actually she had kind of got it in her head that it was going to be about uh, the Australian type approach. yeah. yeah. yeah, that's yeah.
1: So this is. A third-party government or regulator actually making the assessment. Yeah,
2: them doing uh, tests, them doing the kind of thresholds, uh, them basically certifying whether you've got it or not. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, at the end of the day, the wiggle room is going to be limited. And if you actually listen to Megan Lacey at around about 15 minutes, 38, oh. about, <laughs> actually speaking, uh, she actually says... In on, the video. In the video, when the you can find on YouTube Avengers. or okay. indeed on henrytapper.com, yeah. um, you will hear her saying just that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I suspect that she was probably um, speaking a little bit too uh, forthrightly mm-hmm. um, because we're all dancing around the pin on, well, we do need to have yeah. a consultation here. But I think, I think that's the way the
0: DWP would like to go. Um, I'm very conscious of time, but before we leave the topic of the consultation, I would like to come back to chapter four. Uh, <laughs> chapter four. <laughs> to four. four. So, I know, but I want to do the kind of compare and contrast, I guess, mm-hmm. between the age, wage, money-weighted member-level yeah. returns, and the what I calculated as. The, 3,200 data this, this points. This number
2: is now, <laughs> now out there. I mean, it's being quoted on my blog every day. 3,200 data yeah, points. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, so the yeah.
0: 3,200 was my guess of like how many bands you would want yeah. for employers um, by yeah. size, by uh, premium. We're still kind yeah. of trying to work out whether it should be and like by- the size of payroll yeah. multiplied by the number of ages they had. Um, and uh, the time periods they had for each of those ages. So, you know, you get out to a lot of data, you get to, to a yellow yeah. pages of data, and you can imagine this engaged employer with a yellow highlighter yeah. looking yeah. through these big tables, logarithmic tables, yeah, that's me, here we go. <laughs> but, just, right? but, but I guess the idea of age wages is that's all unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, what you should be doing is just getting to the member level and calculating it and then sort of just averaging back up. Is that right? pretty well averaging yeah. backup is exactly the phrase that I use yeah.
2: and and do y- you can actually populate these tables quite quickly if you have the core data there because you yeah. d- you're not having to go off to third parties to get information all the time yeah because you all, all the information is in one data set which yeah. you own it's your data <laughs> and provided that you can get it off your administrators now there are weaknesses in this and, that, and one of them is that a lot of Uh, Schemes uh, have broken data. Yeah, Yeah. they change administrators, and so a lot of data has been lost. Yeah, pre two thousand and ten, we don't know what happened. So we just got, we've just got an opening value, and we got. So you have to accept that you're not going to be perfect. Yeah, and that's critical, I think, to this whole thing. But
0: you know, we can't allow perfect to be the enemy of good. Yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah. Because the. So I guess just thinking about that complexity, I I, I sort of took a different response. Um, and I should say, I really support the time-weighted, uh, sorry, the money-weighted calculation say of IRR. I uh, I'm sorry. I said, no, 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 sorry, I said, I said, I said time-weighted. So, uh, I don't know, and maybe uh, one of our Actuary listeners can engage with us and talk about uh, how over the long time the time-weighted and money-weighted kind of move together or apart, because oh. uh, I think that's a very important important part of this but you know when faced with 3200 data points right my Mm. sense was look just publish gross it up Mm. give us gross of charges your investment performance daily price series and then third parties whether it's age wage whether it's others who want to engage with employers about it could then use that to produce the, the bits and that yeah, the, I mean, that you, book which has been highlighted yeah there. I
2: mean you can do you can do a proxy for what we do yeah you know, using price tracks rather than and, and, and simulated data sets yeah um, it's not as good but it it does the job yeah 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 and and, and like I say I'm as long as we move this conversation along, don't forget what the DWP actually wants to do is align performance with what people actually got. They yep. keep on talking yep. about the member experience, and then um, it, it, and, and this is not a dig at the actuarial profession, but the yeah. <laughs> performance <Don't worry>. performance <laughs> measurement has been dominated by actuarial science, which has been driven by DB yeah. performance yeah. Uh, since. 933 by Street, and it won't change unless somebody comes along and disrupts that, which is what age wages are here to do. And I'm pleased to say that there are people out there, I won't drag them into my private hell, who <laughs> who actually agree with me. They, uh, they, like they, they do it very quietly. <laughs> you are actually right, but I don't dare say that with One of my actuarial consultants.
0: Uh,
2: and actually, there are some actuarial consultants who say that as well. So we, we will get there eventually, as yeah. long as we keep a smile on our face. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's a spring. I do stuff. find that
0: framing slightly I challenge that so I think that the time-weighted framing is like a retail FCA framing so the idea that I have a fund it doesn't matter how much I put in or take out it's just it starts at a pound what's it worth mm. now okay that pound moved up and down now I know what volatility is and we're going to call volatility risk whoa okay mm. but thank you Chicago school um, right you know there, there's a load there's a load that's kind of like subsumed in Uh, essentially how the FCA expects a fund manager to report, which is not at all what a pension scheme should be looking at. And Mm -hmm. you're broaching that from one side, I think, the DB actuaries, I don't know that they're, I, I, I'm not sure I see their hand on the tiller at all. That's one of my big disappointments of being an actuary and a DC mm. actuary for 12 years, is you know the, the multiple failed attempts that the pensions uh, practice area has had to have any influence on DC pensions whatsoever. Mm. I've been laughed at by pensions mm. actuaries for mm. saying there's loads of interesting actuarial stuff to do in DC. Mm. And I guess they'd laugh at me because I've taken a pay cut to go and do it, right? Yeah. And uh, You know, there's <laughs> much more money to be generated yeah. by doing funding plans for DB. I'm going to have to call it. Yeah, arms, we yeah, could talk, and for we <laughs> talk for hours. Um, my,
1: my final question to you, Henry, yeah, is, um, you know, we, we mentioned you support Yeovil. <laughs> yeah, um, d- it, it, does that provide you a value for money? <laughs>
2: well, I, it's a 230 mile round trip from my house to Hooch yeah, yeah, Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is not value for money. But the great thing about in Yeovil is almost everyone we play—Bromley, Dagenham—you uh, <laughs> know, like sort of boring words. Yeah. yeah, it's an easy travelling distance, so. <laughs> Uh, Following the Yeovil for me has become an away experience, which is definitely value for money. How
1: how are they doing this year? Uh, We
2: are not going down. (laughs) We are in the conference, having been in the championship, but I'm pleased to say we will be staying in the national
1: conference, barring a run of disastrous results. Well, I follow um, I yeah. follow Tunbridge Angels, oh, yes. uh, my local club, and um, we're in the one below you. So you never know; we could go into a football match or something. No, we, 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 we,
2: there are plenty of competitions where we could meet.
1: <laughs> and, uh, we'll do
2: that. And, uh, and we'll do I'm afraid you used to support Creepy Crawly Town.
0: I didn't support. Green yes, people. you did. I you did. did. Both, I, have you, you been to a game? Did you go? To I a did. A game? Go, I went to a couple of games. Yeah. People's pension. Uh, no. I did. I played on the pitch twice. Did um, you? Yeah. I was. Uh, they did like seven-minute halves. I was almost yellow-carded in a friendly. That's that's doing something. Um, it was. I, I was not at fault at all. Right. Um, but there we yeah, go.
2: The player you don't want to play against is McClyman. He is seriously good, <laughs> he and is. he's as hard as nails because he was built in Cumberland.
0: Yeah. He can't run around as much anymore. No, <laughs> so, <he's>, he can't <laughs> run
2: around, but he's, he's built like. A, well, whatever uh,
0: come he was, the pillow of the parliamentary Labour Party. I think that's his <laughs> the super that he loves, right? So, right, we are in the pod again, yeah. Um, courtesy of DG
1: Publishing. So, thanks to the guys, um, for hosting us again. Um, so much better doing these in, 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 in oh, person, yeah. Yeah. so it makes such a difference. Um, Nico, you're speaking? I mean, we've mentioned this before at the um, 25th of March, uh, Impact and Responsible Investment Conference, very much that's taking place um, at London Zoo. And we're delighted that Matea Polk uh, from Reeducating Earthlings is mm. going to be opening that session um, and is a keynote. And um, we, we've invited her on the podcast as well. And she said, yes, we so we, trying we to need find to, the date. Trying to find the date, uh, but we will we'll hear more from Matteo as well. And she's um, a truly inspiring speaker. Oh, yeah. I've heard her speak a couple of times and um, sets the context for this stuff really nicely. Um,
0: what other events
1: have we got? Like you're, 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 you're doing the rounds at the moment. You called me a rent quote at the start, but <laughs> you're speaking at uh, um, the PPI, Alternative and Liquid Assets, yeah, event on the yeah. 9th of March. On the
0: 9th of March, yeah. They've got a report they're publishing, um, so very much looking forward to that. Um, I'm doing some research on TCFDs, um, so the Task Force for Financial... climate related financial disclosures. Um, So I've been interviewing around the DC industry and see um, uh, what they mean, what the hopes are. Um, So that's for the Defined Contribution Investment Forum. And uh, so there's a launch uh, of that work on the 28th of March. So I'm sure if you look at my LinkedIn feed, if you look at Louise Farrin's feed, then uh, you'll be able to find the event invites. Excellent. Excellent. And I think you're off to record a yeah yeah, 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 there may be a little video of me stood on the stage. Yes.
1: Excellent. Excellent. And um, I think they're going to force you to use a teleprompter as well, which is what they've said. Perhaps what we, perhaps what we um, should do, Henry. So the next time we do one of these with Nico, we should totally script what he says and make sure. Well, you started
2: it off this. your podcast scripted. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't well, sound uh, too uh, good. Uh, I'm
1: glad uh, you, you don't f- f- continue f- this. First as well, nonsense. we just wanted to get a couple of things. sorted yeah, up. Start. So I just read yeah, whatever's written down. So anyway, Henry great to have you on the podcast thank you for um spending the time um it's great to see the work that you're doing with the playpen and um really enjoyed the session earlier in the week so you know we're not in competition we want a good debate we want a good discussion about value for money um, you never know. We might get invited on the playpen at some point. No. Like oh, well, it might, yeah. Be. Yeah. It might be coming the, up. The, the, the
2: playpen is one thing. Age Wages, the other. No, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, so, so thank yeah.
1: you for being a good sport. Thank you yeah. for listening. Thank you for the listeners for tuning in. Um, I think we're pretty much on all the major podcasts now, platforms. So, I believe so. Um, I managed to sort out iTunes. I, notice I say I managed to sort yes, out. Yes, so, it's 100%, Darren. Um, yeah, so yeah. I, I managed to sort out Apple, Spotify, on Amazon, on Google. So, you know,
0: there's no excuse not, yeah. to, not, not, not to hear us. Like and subscribe. If you'd like to get in touch, then we're on vfmpensions at gmail.com. Um, or reach out, comment on our LinkedIn posts promoting this. Um, and then, yeah, we've got a pretty full roster uh, coming up. So we've got Zoe Alexander of Nest, Des Healy, we mentioned already uh, from DWP, uh, Sophia Singleton of XPS, Julius Purcell, uh, who is at Cushion. Um, we mentioned Cushion. Cushion. <laughs> Sure? Um, but yeah we don't know who we've got next week so it could just be Darren and me I think that would be good actually we could but, do. Um, as long as you don't philosophise too much oh, we've got to talk about epistemology sometime but <laughs> with that on that bombshell Excellent. well thank you for listening until next time until next
1: time thank you goodbye and thank you Henry
0: thank you